Hey, welcome back to the Brazos Point living room. The three amigos are reunited and together again. We're so glad you're with us, Michelle. Thank you. Again, again. I was back last week. You were. You were. Two weeks in a row. (laughs) Always here. (laughs) Well, this week we're continuing our journey with Jesus through the Gospel of John, and we're in John 14 and talking about the Holy Spirit. Um, So I'm excited. We don't talk about him nearly enough, so I'm excited about today's conversation. But jumping in, my first question is, what mundane or everyday task would you like to have someone help you with? Laundry, your dishes, yard work, cleaning, etc. Just think through, what would you love for someone to jump in and help you with and take off of your plate? The pool. The uh, pool. Yeah, we have a pool surrounded by beauty beautiful. and nature. I hear those are a lot of work. It's a ton of work, and I work on it every day. Like literally every day, I'm having to work on getting things out of the pool, <laughs> and I'm the only one out of the five of us. No one else does pool work. Don't they work. sell covers? Yeah. Tarps? Yeah. Yeah. I'm not sure, though. It doesn't seem like a no, good idea. No, they do sell them. <laughs> no, they do. I'm just not sure it's a good idea. I want one of those, uh, you know, enclosures. That keeps the mosquitoes out. Yeah, too. but they're super expensive. Yeah, I was going to say, that sounds yeah. easier. Maybe start yeah. with a tarp. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. So anyway, pull boy. Pull girl, oh boy. Pull, pull person. I don't blame you. When Jeff and I were looking to move, um, a a pool was a deal breaker <laughs> for mm. him if the house mm. had a pool. Uh-uh. But a friend with a pool. Yeah, that's friend. the way awesome. to go. Yep. And we had Randy, so we're good. <laughs> that's what I always used to say till I was that friend. <laughs> also, chauffeur. We need another driver mm-hmm. in our house. Mm-hmm. We got five people, busy schedules, two drivers. Oh, and, you're uh, about to have another one. Uh, in, in one year, almost mm-hmm. to the day. Yeah. Yep. What mine, about you? mine actually really is cooking. I, I don't like cooking that much. I don't think I'm great at it. I mean, I can get the job done. But um, I would love to have somebody just cook all my meals because it would also be really handy, you know, like as I'm trying to be disciplined about nutrition and things like that, it would be nice if somebody was just like, here's what you're eating for these meals. This is how many calories those all have in them. Here are your snacks. So you want a meal planner Go. and a meal preparer. Oh, all of it. Yeah. 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 <laughs> yeah. And they can even come in like once a week. I don't mind leftovers. Do you also want a grocery shopper? No, I like grocery shopping. Really? That's Ashley's least favorite part, I think. I mean, these days I curbside a lot because you know school but jeff and i love going to the grocery store i love going to the grocery store too for me it's a social experiment i don't love it without jeff but Hmm. we like going together oh yeah love story (laughs) (laughs) what's yours joseph what's Uh, your mundane task mine is probably really specific Uh oh i would love someone to come into my life (laughs) and do you know when your couch cushions that you sit on uh, starts coming out. That's the yeah. worst. My kids love to sit behind the no, back cushions. No. The, they play in the couch. No. So every time I walk through the living room, I'm literally readjusting the couch mm. cushions. What about Velcro? Yeah. No. It's like a child solving like a each other's problems. <laughs> it's like a tarp. What about a tarp? Get what a tarp. What if yeah. you didn't let the kids on the couch? Yeah, that's an option. <laughs> or Daphne, the dog. <laughs> the farty dog. Uh, or someone to take down my Christmas lights. <laughs> uh, yeah. uh, it's been a really busy three weeks. And I, I left today. They're still up? Yeah. I'm what like, about your blow-ups, your inflatables? No, those are gone. Praise it's God. literally just the ones on the front of my house, on top. 
Hmm. Not in my trees or anywhere else. Just leave them. It's February. Might as well, right? It's February. So what's the matter? December's coming. It's cold again. It actually feels like, well, it did feel like Christmas this Christmas. Should I turn them on, though? Because they're not on. Why not? Yeah. Life's too short. Let's do it, right? Yeah. All right. Well, we could all use a little more help, clearly. Uh, But today, as we pick up in the Gospel of John, we see that Jesus is giving some last instructions, and he's not going to be with them soon. And he's just told them that. And they are processing the fact that Jesus is no longer going to be with them. And then he makes them an unexpected promise that will forever change their lives. And so as we jump into John 14, I just want to read a couple of these verses, but Jesus makes a few promises to them. And here's what he says. Uh, I will ask the father and he will give you another advocate to help you and be with you forever. Uh, He goes on to say, I will not leave you as orphans. I will come to you. Before long, the world will not see me anymore, but you will see me. Because I live, you also will live. So here, Jesus makes a couple promises to them in the midst of their uh, worry. He promises them that he's going to send them a helper and that he also is not going to leave them as orphans. So, man, what is the significance of these promises as Jesus is on his way out? And their lives have been built around Jesus' physical presence. He's their master and their teacher, and they've given their lives to follow him. And so the idea that he's not just leaving but dying, mm-hmm. uh, man, it's, it's, it's a game changer in their minds and in their expectations of where all of this is going. And so the idea that, that in his leaving, uh, there's going to be another helper that's coming, this, this alas parakletos, or this another advocate, right? Um, that comes alongside them instead of it being Jesus' physical presence beside them, it's the Spirit's presence inside of them. Uh, these presents are what makes everything continue to be okay. Mm-hmm. These promises are what makes everything on the other side of Jesus' resurrection and then ascension continue to work. So, man, they're, they're infinitely significant. Yeah. Yeah. And I've got to, I've got to think that for them, they're not probably completely grasping the significance of this quite yet because, you know, we're on this side of history and, you know, the Holy Spirit indwelling us and all of that. And so they're probably having a hard time wrapping their minds around it, like we've talked about many times as we've been working through John. Um, but I think the same thing as Randy, like they have built their lives around Jesus. And I just think about how hard it is to lose anybody you love. And then I think about the added layer of losing somebody you love who is part of your everyday life. And he mm. was part of their everyday life. And so I think there's still some mourning. I think you're absolutely right. And I think I think they're troubled, right? And that's what Jesus is speaking to in John 14. And I think you're hitting the nail on the head that they've got to be so confused and so scared and so troubled. But at the same time, there's a piece of this mm-hmm. uh, that they understand in ways that we don't, Yeah. right? Um, as, as Jews, they understand the temple presence of God. And, and the temple being the dwelling place of God in ways that, you know, I think we can't really wrap yeah. our minds around. They're probably um, thinking, so far everything he's said has worked out. <laughs> yeah, yeah. <laughs> so let's, <laughs> we'll see how this goes. Uh, yeah, I think it's, you know, I can just imagine what they're feeling. They're afraid, what, you're going to leave, you're going to die? Uh, and the reassurance that he's not abandoning them. And I don't want to skip ahead too far, but in a couple of chapters, Jesus is going to tell them it's for their good mm-hmm. that he's going away. And this is actually better for them, which is such a crazy promise. Mm-hmm. And it's like, what's better, Jesus, than having you walking right beside here. me? Yeah. Well, 
It's got to be God's yeah. spirit inside yeah. of you. And I think I think going back to this concept when we get there is huge because it really is the difference between the physical presence of Jesus beside them and the spiritual presence of the spirit inside us. Mm-hmm. That's better. Mm, it is. Wild, but better. So, uh, I think it's important to, as before we continue on this conversation, just to unpack a little bit of this truth uh, that in the same way Jesus' arrival was promised in the Old Testament, the same is true for the Holy Spirit. That God's Spirit was present in the Old Testament, but He resided in a physical uh, place, which was a, a physical temple, which was designed to be holy and where God's people could interact with God's Spirit. Yet, because of Jesus and His promise, all of this changed. And so, I have uh, Exodus 25.8 says, an instruction from God, Let them make a sanctuary that I may dwell in their midst. And so it's referring to the physical temple where God's presence dwelled. And yet, 1 Corinthians 6, after this promise from Jesus, the Apostle Paul writes, Do you not know that your bodies are temples of the Holy Spirit, who is in you, whom you have received from God, and you are not your own? You were bought at a price, therefore honor God with your bodies. So those are some big truths. So my question is, what's the significance that God's Spirit now resides within every person who follows Jesus? I love that you went into the Old Testament with this because I think it's so important for us to understand that the presence of God's Spirit among people is always a grace gift, Mm. right? So when God's present in the Ark of the Covenant, when God's present in the tabernacle, when God's present in the temple, and whatever sanctuary it is that God is present, man, that is a grace gift to the people that he would dwell among us. And we think about Jesus as the Emmanuel, God with us, but that's just one way that God is with us. God is also with us in the Spirit. And the other piece of this is so important to to look at the Old Testament because we realize that, that when Jesus is born to Mary, He's not just, this is not the beginning of Jesus' existence. Mm-hmm. This is the beginning of his earthly existence in the form of a human, but Jesus is eternally pre existent. Same is true with the Spirit. The Spirit is not new at Pentecost, right? The Spirit has always eternally existed. And so in the Trinity, you have God the Father, God the Son, and God the Holy Spirit, completely co equal, three in one always, absolutely always existing in community with one another. And so. Uh, looking for and seeing the presence of the Spirit in the Old Testament from the very beginning, right? It's all the way from the very beginning in Genesis, uh, I think is a really, really big deal. So, the idea that this one that is the gift, grace gift of the presence of God among us that has been so revered inside the temple, and you have to understand like Old Testament stuff here with like the Holy of Holies and and how sacred, sacred. that was and yeah. how and how... Uh, in a sense, unapproachable that was, except for walking through the rituals of cleansing and specific people and the high priest and all of these pieces. Like when you begin to understand that very same spirit of God is going to dwell inside imperfect, broken, and unclean people, it's actually radical. It's mm-hmm. a radical concept. And it makes me even more thankful for what Jesus has done. Like when you read those Old Testament stories in the Ark of the Covenant and just for touching it, you could be struck down because it is that sacred. Um, And then knowing that now I am a thing, a person that can have God's spirit inside me. And the only reason is because of what Jesus did. That makes me so much 
more thankful for that. Mm-hmm. Well, and it helps us to understand, like the theological term here is imputed righteousness, right? And so this is what we talk about when we talk about the gospel, meaning done, not do. We don't do the things to clean ourselves up in order to make us uh, favorable towards God. No, no, Jesus has done everything for us that we can't do for ourselves. He has done it. And so he gives us his righteousness. The only reason the spirit can dwell in us is because we are covered in the blood of Christ. Christ has made us righteous, and Christ's righteousness in us is what makes us able to even be the temple. Mm-hmm. Wild. It is. I think the word you said is perfect, radical. It's so crazy to think about, but it's an incredible promise in truth. It also makes me think about, too, the fact that when God's presence dwelled in the temple, that the people would uh, come from all over the, the world at the time to come and be near it. That they would, even in Jesus' day, they would come to the temple and it was a sacred place. It was uh, pilgrimages. And even today, the remnants, the Western Wall, the Weeping Wall, <clears throat> Wailing Wall is uh, still what's left of that temple. And people still travel across the world to come and be near it. And it's just this reminder that, I mean, because of Jesus, mm-hmm. God's Spirit now lives in us. Have you been crazy. to the Holy Land? I have not. I thought Maybe. we were going to take a group trip. <laughs> Let's do it. Three amigos do, take on the Holy Land. <laughs> we'll podcast. Uh, so, okay, that's a really big truth. Okay, God's spirit, which used to live in this physical place, now dwells within every person. So then, how should that truth affect our daily life as a follower of Jesus? How does that affect my day-to-day life? For me, the first thing I think of is like, living in such a way that I try to never take that for granted again. Mm. You know, like think about how radical, how wild, how undeserving, what a grace gift this is. And if we're honest, if I'm honest, I mean, there's days that that I probably don't even think about the presence of the Spirit inside of me, you know? And that's, man, that's that's crazy. Thank God for grace, Mm -hmm. (laughs) right? Yeah. Yeah, I think that there's, there to me, because of my upbringing, honestly, and the context and my faith tradition I was brought up in, there was a sense, and I was taught, honestly, too, that there was a distance between me and God, that I had to be at a certain place at a certain time mm-hmm. to really be near um, Jesus or, or to be near God or His Spirit. And uh, just this truth just constantly reminds me of that, like, I don't need another person to come to God. Jesus is my mediator. I can come directly to him and he resides within me. And so I have direct access, which is just a real good reminder for me. Well, and when I say not taking it for granted, it's like uh, not just having that awareness, but also like fully leveraging Mm -hmm. all that it means to, to, you know, be empowered by the spirit to live for Christ. Yeah. I think it changes the posture of my heart. Like I said earlier, like when I really stopped to think about it and take into account everything from the Old Testament you know, that we know about God's spirit, it makes me so thankful for what Jesus has done. And then it also makes me realize how God sees me. Like if I am now the temple because I'm a Christ follower, then God sees me as, you know, a housing for his spirit. God sees me as having you know, when we read about the temple, there's very specific design to it and very specific purpose and function for every piece. And that makes me think about 
what God sees my purpose and function as being, how to glorify Him, and then realizing that whatever that function and purpose is, His Holy Spirit is there empowering me to do those things. Like you said, like I can't believe I'm not just constantly thinking about that. Well, and, and praying. I had a really cool conversation recently with some awesome church members, very thoughtful, and they were thinking about the idea that it says that the temple of God is to be a house of prayer. And they were asking, you know, why why wouldn't we dedicate more of our worship services uh, to, prayer. to prayer? I said, yeah. well, let's think about this. What is the temple of God? Is it this church building or a New Testament, New Covenant understanding of the temple of God is actually that it's the people. Yeah. And so instead of it being this one hour on Sunday, it becomes, I become a house of prayer, mm-hmm. you know, and this constant relationship as I live in communion with the Spirit, in conversation with the Spirit, listening to the Spirit and talking to the Spirit, recognizing that my life, my body, my days and hours are to be a, a prayerful, you know, just mm-hmm. mindful of His presence and surrendered to His leadership. Mm. Well, like I said earlier, I'm, we're excited that we're talking about and focusing on these verses this week. And and as we talk about the Holy Spirit, He's definitely, in my opinion, one of the more the more mysterious persons of the, of the Trinity. Uh, and so I think this next question is kind of important. And I want to read verse seventeen to us really quick. It says the Spirit of Truth, the world cannot accept Him because it neither sees Him nor knows Him, but you know Him, for He lives with you and will be in you. So my question is, what are the implications of the truth that the Holy Spirit is not an it or a force, but a person that lives inside of us? All right, so I'm about to vulnerably expose myself here. Uh, When I hear force, I think Star Wars. Mm -hmm. I've never seen it, so I don't exactly know (laughs) what the force is, but is that a good illustration of what a force that's an impersonal energy is? Right. Yeah. Okay. I saw a meme the other day that said Chuck Norris was actually in Star Wars. He was the Force. <laughs> he was the Force. Well, that doesn't help because that makes the Force a person. person. Yeah. But instead of this ethereal energy mm-hmm. um, that so much of like Eastern religion is about, right? So Eastern religion, it's about emptying yourself so that this impersonal force. Uh, can can be something that's a part of your transcendent experience. That's the opposite. Christianity is about being filled with a person, not emptying, but being filled with the person of the Spirit. And I think what's so significant about it is that it's like everything else about God. God is so personal. He's so personal and so knowable, so intimate, that the God of the universe would say to us, the relationship that we're going to have is like, I'm a father and you're my beloved child. And everything God does is personal. So it's so critical to see the spirit is not just this energy that's around us, but the person of God inside us. Mm-hmm. Uh, it's, it's a totally different mindset about how we relate. Mm-hmm. I think it's important, too, to remind ourselves, too, as we remind ourselves of these truths or even learn them for the first time, that, like you said, this isn't an impersonal, ethereal, it's a person. It is God's spirit, and it, it is, it's a difference. Um, it makes a big difference. And it's a friendship, right? Mm-hmm. Um, yeah, the same God that I'm praying to, that I'm talking to and listening to and learning about and getting to know, His spirit is also inside me. And I have a relationship with that spirit, too. Yeah. And it's the spirit of God in us that is enabling all of that communion, connection, and interaction. Mm. And no, I have not seen Star Wars. It's true. (laughs) It is true. So I think thinking about that, okay, the Holy Spirit is a person who dwells within us. So verse 26 says, The Advocate, the Holy Spirit, whom the Father will send in my name, will teach you all things and will remind you of everything I've said to you. Randy, in your message, you referred to the Holy Spirit as the ultimate rabbi. 
and so just what does it really mean that the Holy Spirit teaches us like a rabbi? The reason why I call the Holy Spirit in the message the ultimate rabbi is because Jesus is speaking in these verses and he's saying, I'm going to send you another advocate. I'm going to send you another helper. And it's that kind of another that's not a different kind. It's the same kind. It's more of the same. And Jesus is the rabbi. That's like, We know Jesus at this point in John as the rabbi in mm-hmm. Jewish culture. That's a title of honor that's given, right? And so the disciples look to him as their master, as their rabbi, as their teacher, as their sensei, if you will. And so when Jesus, when, when I'm calling the spirit the rabbi, that's what I'm saying is the spirit is more of the same. Like they've had this physical presence of Jesus beside them, guiding them, teaching them, and helping them discern their next steps. We now have this, this spiritual presence of the spirit as our teacher. And I think the big deal on that is um, we know what it is to have a physical teacher in our lives instruct us. Mm-hmm. We have to learn to learn from mm-hmm. the spirit. You know, we have to learn to cooperate with the Spirit. We have to learn to experience and to understand and to sense the presence and the work of the Spirit in us as we have this rabbi teaching us from the inside out and and helping us to discern and to grow and to develop and move. Mm. I think it's good. And that's that's an important reminder, too. (laughs) Michelle said when she heard you refer to the ultimate rabbi, she thought of like a luchador. (laughs) Like in a, yeah, in a like, mask, and, uh, yeah, like yeah. a wrestler. But yeah. your in this corner, better. we have <laughs> the like ultimate Hulk rabbi. Type, actually, more like yeah. a what? Hulk Hogan. Hulk Hogan. Hulk Hogan. Yeah. yeah, I just the saw in the news that Hulk Hogan's rabbi. not healthy. No, I heard That's that sad. too. Yeah. Well, verse twenty-seven goes on to another promise. It says, "Peace I leave with you. My peace I give to you. I do not give to you as the world gives. Do not let your hearts be troubled, and do not be afraid." So Jesus is talking about a peace that he's going to give us because of this advocate. And so, Randy, you refer to it also as the ultimate reassurance. So what does the Holy Spirit bring to those who he resides in and what type of peace are we referring to? Well, there's kind of two layers of reassurance going on here. And when I think reassurance, man, that's what brings peace. And it, it, it's it's twofold. One on the hand, on the one hand, like theologically, the New Testament speaks of the presence of the Spirit in us as like the seal of salvation. This is the evidence that we are in Christ. And this is what is going to ultimately be effective in terms of our glorification in us uh, experiencing the presence of God in heaven for eternity, right? So there's that seal, there's that peace, there's that promise. Um, but then there's also this thing that we've already been talking about just in this, in the here and now, the reality that Jesus is leaving the disciples to ascend and to be back into heaven. And he's sending the spirit as his presence and as his peace. And there's a peace that comes with knowing that we're not in this by ourselves, that Christ is with us in this, in the gift of the spirit of God. This is something I think about a lot in my focus on mental health and counseling and um, just how I want to serve people and how I want to minister to them through that and how even when the world around us and outside of us is an absolute mess and so hard and so difficult to navigate and at times very hard to understand, we can still have this peace in us. We can still have that because our hope is in Jesus and we have his spirit inside us. So I really love this conversation. Well, and I think Jesus' words here are so helpful 
because he says the world isn't going to understand this or get this or even believe this, but you can and you will. And think about it. Like if we're not already crazy enough because we believe that the God man died on a cross forgiving us of our sins and that's how we have justification and ultimately the promise of heaven, we become a little bit crazier at the point that we now believe that we're temples of the Spirit of God and that the Spirit of God dwells in us. Like think about if you're of the world, how wild and weird this radical truth mm-hmm. sounds. Okay, so uh, Jesus helped us out with that in John 14. He says, don't expect them to get it, uh, but you, you, you will, you can, and you need to. And what? that's really what I want to press in on is like, do we get this? Do we leverage this? Do we own this truth? And it's literally called the piece that doesn't make sense, right? right the piece right. that passes understanding. Yep. Like, don't try to make logical sense out of this in the worldly way right. because it's not going to. Yeah, and that's why I love that you went in that direction of our own, you know, mental, emotional, physical, spiritual health. Uh, It's like, yeah, this is different for us as Christ followers. Mm -hmm. We have a gift. We have a gift. The good news isn't just... That thing to anchor it all on. And and that's part of what I want to accomplish in this is like the good news is just not... It's not just about Jesus and forgiveness. The good news is about because of Jesus, the gift of the Spirit, the the Spirit's presence in our life. Man, this is a part of the good news. Mm. That's good. I love that Jesus refers to my peace I give to you. And this just, for me, always makes me think about my favorite story to tell my kids is uh, about Jesus in the storm. And when everyone's freaking out and worried that they're going to drown or tip capsize, and I'm like, where's Jesus? He's in the boat. What is he doing? He's asleep. <laughs> and it's just so crazy to me. But when I think about him saying, I'm giving you my peace, I was like, please, Jesus. So go back to your beds and let me sleep. <laughs> I want to be like Christ. <laughs> you guys are the storm. <laughs> and also get out from behind the couch cushions. <laughs> please. Go out and clean Randy's the pool. Cool. <laughs> I said cool instead of pool. <laughs> oh, the last thought is... Just this idea, man, so what does it look like when the Holy Spirit is at work in someone's life? And I wanted to read just a few verses, and there's kind of a theme here in these this passage with Jesus. I'm going to read these really quick. He says, if you love me, keep my commands. Whoever has my commands and keeps them is the one who loves me. Uh, and anyone who will obey my teaching, <laughs> my Father will love them and will come to them and make our home with them. So Jesus over and over is saying, obey <laughs> y'all keep my commands Love listen obey. please but also i wanted to read galatians 5 22 23 but the fruit of the spirit is love joy peace patience kindness goodness faithfulness gentleness and self-control so how do we know when the holy spirit is at work in a person's life I think that's a perfect setup. We know the Spirit is at work in someone's life when they're keeping the commands of Christ, right? Uh, we're not naturally going to do that, but we can supernaturally, through the enablement of the Spirit, Spirit uh, live that out. What is the command of Christ? What is the law of Christ? It's the new command. It's to love God and to love people. Love is the command of Christ. The law of Christ is love. And so Galatians 5 tells us that where the Spirit is present, He's going to produce these things in us that we would describe as the fruits of the Spirit. What are the fruits of the Spirit? They're love, joy, peace, patience, kindness, goodness, gentleness, faithfulness, and self-control. And so because the Spirit is enabling that in us and it's coming out of us, that ought to shape the way we behave in our relationships. So ultimately, you know that the Spirit's working in someone's life when they're looking more like Jesus. Mm -hmm. 
because that's what God is doing in us. We come to Jesus completely dependent and then dependent on the Spirit. The Spirit conforms us into the image of Christ and He enables for us to become more and more like Christ in our attitudes and our actions, but even more than anything, like in our heart, in our heart of love. And ultimately, that's what the Spirit's going to do is give us a tender heart towards people and a reverent heart towards God. Mm -hmm. This is making me want to do a message series on the fruit of the Spirit because, like, you know, whether we've heard them or not, like each one of those components means so much. Like mm-hmm. there's so much to talk about in each one of those components. So just putting that out there on mm. the table for you. <laughs> <laughs> this, this makes me think this last weekend we had a high school retreat and it's always just a really good weekend where, you know, students give a few days just to focus on God and students step over line of faith. And every time I'm at a retreat or a camp of ours, I think about all the former previous ones. And it's a good little snapshot of just getting to think back and see what God has done over the years. And uh, just looking at students who I knew before, you know, they knew Jesus and college students and, and just people who have gotten to see change over the years and just really seeing this right in front of me so clear man i knew who you were and you are a very Mm -hmm. different person you're a new creation Mm -hmm. literally evidence and there is such evidence of these things in your life that weren't there before it's just a good reminder like yeah that's so good well and even for those of us that have been following jesus for 30 years Mm -hmm. right i hope five years from now you go God is still recreating. God is still transforming. Mm. I still am seeing movement in Randy's life where God is mm. working out the rough edges and making him more and more like Christ. Because mm. it's a it's an ongoing work of transformation yeah. and the, the Spirit's continually enabling that. Yeah. That's a good reminder. It's not just the first step that is life-changing. It's a continual becoming more and more and more like Jesus. That's good. Any last thoughts? Nope. Nope. I just uh, am going to go research tarps. <laughs> <laughs> Solve that problem. I really don't think it would. That's why I don't do it. I don't know. The tarp is weird to me. Is it weird to you? There's a reason why people do it. <laughs> Probably whatever is going on with you. is. Does it exactly make it right. more likely to then be like moldy? I don't know. I'm just tarp resistant. <laughs> well, if you have experience with do. pull tarps. Yeah, someone reach out to Randy. Give come help, some help. They're probably going to say Somebody just... go take down Joseph's Christmas <laughs> <laughs> We could use some help. <laughs> you shouldn't have gotten a pool to begin with. That's what they're going to It was there you. when I bought the house. <laughs> All right. Well, thanks so much for listening. We hope you have a great small group this week, and we'll catch you next week.